Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So as I alluded to uh, in last week's episode, if you were listening to that, um, I recently had to go through a kind of a complicated situation in Pedometer Plus Plus, where um, the whole story goes, there was a, a, a core motion bug that is still, I believe, in, in iOS. Now, it was causing my app to under-report steps. I needed to make a change to fix that. At first, I went down the road of spending months and months trying to like re-architect my whole system to work around this bug. Turns out there was an easier solution because I was chasing down the wrong bug. So I go ahead and did, the, did this change. Um, in all my testing, it seemed to work great. I had it, tried it out with a bunch of people. It all seemed to work fine. I go and I ship the update. And... From almost every, you know, the vast majority of my users, it seems to work perfectly. But for a small group of people, and all people who had Apple Watches, which was in this case actually kind of useful, um, the, it, the the app would would underreport those steps in a certain circumstance, a circumstance that, and this is the topic of the episode, I can't reproduce. Um, it's the there's a issue that somehow starts underreporting. And then in my fix for that, I ended up with another bug that um, ended up over-reporting steps and sometimes comically high amounts. But in both cases, and this is, I think, something that I think we all kind of have to deal with at a certain point, the, I'm getting these bug reports. I'm getting people you know, like sending me screenshots, like reaching out to me and talk, telling me that they're seeing these bugs. And I can't reproduce them at all. Like, I've never seen either of these bugs actually happening on any of my devices. And I think that is a, like, developing strategies for dealing with that situation um, is probably, it's, it's one of those, like, like advanced developer skills that you develop over time just by necessity of how, what do you do when you, you know this bug exists, like you have clear evidence of it. And it's not even just a crash report. Like there is a user who is having this bug and every time they re- every time they open the app, it doubles all their step counts. Like that was something that was happening for one of my users. And you look at the code and you're like, that's impossible. Like there is no, <laughs> like, this, this, like this doesn't, this, the way this code is written, this should never happen. Like it is just taking a number from the system framework and putting it into the database. It is, like, how is that number becoming like multiplied exponentially in the middle? Like it was just mind bending. Um, but I have a list uh, and this is kind of what I think will be an interesting thing to unpack over the course of this episode. I have a list of like the eight things that I do when I'm in this situation. Um, because at a certain point, like you can, you know, and, and they, they become more esoteric and like eccentric as, as they go. Um, but you've, you know, you kind of in there in this place that you have, if you, if it isn't obvious to how to reproduce, like there's this first phase of all the strategies you can do to try and reproduce it. And then you get into the phase where it's like you are becoming a detective and it's like you accept, like you just sort of, sort of you, you, you pass into the, you, you're on the step where you've, you've reached acceptance and you're like, I will never be able to reproduce this. Now what <laughs> yep. do I do? Um, like, what can I do even if I can never actually reproduce this? Because I know what the, like the input is the code I wrote and I know what the output is the code over here that I'm clearly seeing someone using out in the world. Um, what can I do with that, with that in between? Um, so that's where I find myself. And I, hopefully this will be an interesting, just kind of exercise to like walk through. Cause as I was going through this crazy debugging thing, I just kept a list of every time I tried some crazy new approach, I wrote it down and I think there's a lesson to be learned there. Oh yeah. I mean, 
I have had so many crazy bug reports or crash reports that I just have not been able to figure out. Like, cause I'll, you know, I'll go through the same steps as you. Like I'll look at the code and I'll be like, that shouldn't be possible, but it's happening. So, you know, and there has never been a time when a bug that I thought was impossible was actually, you know, some other reason like, Oh, there was a bug in the crash reporter or there was a bug like in the OS. Like that almost never happens. I've, I've heard programmers blame everything from like, Oh, it must be a bug in the compiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> There's never a bug in the compiler as far as we're concerned. Like, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a compiler author, maybe. But, like, for the kind of stuff we do, the compiler is never the source of your bug. <laughs> and so, like, there's all sorts of, like, potential, like, you know, voodoo that we hope it is or that we blame because our logic is telling us it can't possibly be my bug. But, newsflash, it's usually our bug. And uh, and so, I, too, have had a lot of situations where it's just completely not obvious. I mean, and there's lots of different reasons that this could be, you know, part of it might just be like the crash log that you got, if you got one, isn't very useful. You know, Apple's crash logs have a wide variety of usefulness. Um, they, the, the good ones, the ones that are actually useful are like this line of this file through this exception. And that's great. If you can, if you can see that you can almost always figure out at least, at least like what caused the bug or like, at least like how you can maybe put in some safeguards to avoid it. Maybe like in that function, check for the nil value and just, you know, don't, don't operate if you have one or, you know, something like that. But a lot of times you'll get crash logs that are not, you know, not, they don't symbolicate or they don't actually include your code in the call trace. Um, or it's, you know, it's all system frameworks and maybe you dispatched something out to a queue and you lost, it, it lost track of where it was dispatched from. Um, Maybe it's some other kind of bug, like like being a high resource termination, like we talked about last week, um, where it's not actually terminating you like at the point of the problem. It's just terminating your process in general, and the log is basically whatever it was doing at that moment. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that was the problem. Uh, so there's all sorts of like variability in crash logs, and so sometimes you just have to kind of try to reproduce it, try to figure it out. And a lot of the conditions are like, you know, this appears to happen on a you know with a device combination that you don't have in connectivity that you might not have and that maybe network link conditioner can or can't simulate for you uh using data that you don't have because it's their data um in you know operating on a phone that has a low battery you know wear level so it's being throttled and you can't reproduce that either and maybe their phone has like a bad ram chip or something and so you're occasionally getting ram errors that aren't being detected like there's so many variables and if it's not something you can easily reproduce on your end where you can actually make it crash like while running from xcode in the debugger like if you can't do that a lot of times you're just out of luck because you know a lot of these problems you know users report them as you know, intermittent issues. Like, well, sometimes when I do this, it crashes. Or, you know, sometimes it loses my progress in this thing. And it's like, well, if it doesn't happen every time, it's, and and you can't figure out why it might be happening, you're kind of stuck. Yeah. But we can't be stuck. We have to keep moving. So we got to move forward. And so like the first thing I always do when I hit, hit the situation where it's like a hard to reproduce bug, uh, or at least it's not obviously reproducible. It isn't something that like in my normal day, day, daily use, I can do it too. Um, so like the first thing I tend to do is I go as wide as I can with testing devices. Um, so like on my desk right now, I am absolutely surrounded by old iPhones and Apple watches. Like they are 
like sprawling over my the edges of my desk. Like it's it's and and this is why like every time I I've upgraded my iPhone, I always keep the old ones around. If my wife you know is done with the phone, I always hold on to it. Like maybe it it, it it's like. In some ways, the, you know, like the, the value of these is certainly higher earlier, but at this point, like the value to me is that I have all kinds of random d- devices r- running all kinds of OSs um, that I can try things on. And so the first thing I do is I just do that. And I think sometimes you'll be lucky and you'll just cause it because often these kinds of bugs, the hard to reproduce bugs, the reality is I think like probably like half of them in my experience become are some form of timing issue that there is the reason it is intermittent. The reason it doesn't happen all the time is that, you know, there is some kind of race condition. There's some kind of issue where if this happens before this, then it's fine. But if, you know, every now and then it happens in the wrong order and things all fall apart. And so testing on a variety of devices is a really useful way to do that just because sometimes old devices or new devices are more susceptible to a particular timing issue. Um, and it's used, you know, it's it's one thing I will say is in all of my, uh, like in my customer support form, I, at the bottom of it, I always add a footer, um, that includes a bit of debug information that includes the uh, device type that the user has, um, which is something that you can just sort of pull from, um, the device information of, of the device. And so I can say, so I can get a sense of, you know, sometimes they'll be isolated to a particular device or a particular class of devices, you know, so it's like, it, it seems to be happening on A9 processors. Like the particular bugs that I've been dealing with weren't isolated to anything, but I always put that information in there just so that I kind of have a starting place where to go. But like step one, go as wide as you can um, on testing devices. And if you don't have access to those, then this is where you can, it's like, you just sort of try to ask your friends, ask anybody you can. Like I asked, I've, you know, call, I called up my, my dad, had him, him run his phone and my, on my, on my mom's phone, like anybody you can think of who can try it, because what you're hoping for is that you'll, you know, sort of you'll, you'll, you'll catch this bug in the wild where some, one of these devices will start exhibiting this behavior. And then you can, it's just like, you can capture that. You can, you know, wrap, wrap, wrap it in bubble wrap, bring it in, bring it into your lab and analyze it. Um, it doesn't always work, but that's uh, at least the first place where I start. Yeah, I, I have found trying to capture info about the user's device and setup and everything I honestly have very rarely found that a bug was specific to that device or that version of the OS or anything. Um, usually my bugs are so outrageous that they're, they, they crash on everybody's devices. You know, it's some problem. You don't discriminate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm an equal opportunity crasher. Uh, I, I crash on everything. Um, <laughs> so that, I found that that hasn't helped me. Like I, I used to keep all my old devices and, you know, I would say it was for testing. You know, I must, I need to have this for testing. And, the reality is I think the total number of times I've actually needed to run something on an old device and actually gathered useful info from that in the, you know, whatever it is, 11 years that I've been an app developer, I think might be something like three times. <laughs> and so it now I just, I don't bother anymore. But um, that's fair. I mean, and, and I think what I find is it isn't necessarily that it ends up being unique to one device. It's like all I'm trying to do is increase the odds that, some weird circumstance is going to happen. Um, and the best, and like the, I'm going wide on devices mostly just so that there's a higher probability that I'm going to see it rather than necessarily that it's unique to a particular device. Like sometimes it is, but not, not in the sense that it only happens on one device, but in that it's easiest to reproduce on one device, maybe. 
Yeah. And like, and you know, depending on what your app does, like, you know, it might be more or less relevant. Like, if you have a game and you're seeing some kind of like graphical thing or you're running out of like, you know, graphical resources, obviously, like, every phone has different GPUs. And so, it might you, you know it might be more useful for you to have those old devices if you're doing performance testing and uh, you know that it's more useful there too um in my case like making a podcast app i'm not usually pushing the bounds of performance on any of the hardware that i'm running on and i also am usually not like and the, the only thing that would really matter to me is like if the audio output hardware is being handled differently on different devices and there was a, a an era where that was happening like in the in the very early iphone era like some of the hardware would have hardware decoder, some of it wouldn't. Some of it would would you know do different kinds of conversion, and some of it wouldn't. Like on the output stage, but these days I don't think that changes very much. Um, it actually does change significantly if you use AirPods, uh, but otherwise you know you can do that on any phone. Um, but otherwise, like you know, the hardware doesn't really affect my app very much. Um, so the next thing I do um, once I've tried a bunch of different devices is I will try to separate and isolate the code that seems to be responsible for the bug. And I often will end up putting that into a separate project. Um, and sometimes this is useful. If eventually you're going to need to like su- submit a bug to Apple, then they often they will always ask for an example project. And so sometimes it's useful to just have one. Um, but often I find that this is a good next step to try and isolate the areas where the bug could be happening. And then it lets you much more dynamically and much more quickly um, try different scenarios for that app that you don't have to like have the whole app get spun up and it's doing a whole bunch of other stuff. Like you can just, you know, in this case I have a, you know, a testing app whose purpose is just the, you know, to do the, all the step, the step analysis stuff that I do in my app. And I have a little test app that I pulled out all that. Like, I mean, for me, it's, there's only like one or two classes that are primarily associated with that. And I pull them out and then I just have like this ridiculously simple interface that has a bunch of different buttons that lets it try different things. And it displays a whole bunch of debugging information. Um, and then I can use that as a way to test it. Um, sometimes this will help just, just like the aspect of pulling it out will identify, will help you identify an issue that was a logical issue. So it isn't necessarily like, you know, it's the, if in the process of extracting it, you realize there was some dependency that you weren't characterize that you weren't expecting um, or those types of situations like sometimes i've even just found that to be useful or even it just lets you look at the problem in a slightly different way um, and as we get into it i'll get to get into next it also just lets you try crazy approaches of testing your app without necessarily like dealing with it inside of the scope of your whole app or being worried about like breaking things in a, in, in a horrible way we are brought to you this week by Linode. With Linode, you get access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode offers industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, a 40-gigabit network, and Intel Xeon E5 processors. They also now have 10 data centers around the world, so you can serve your customers even faster than before from pretty much wherever you want. They also have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, and everything is manageable via their own awesome web interface or the command line. All Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. Linode is great for so much of different hosting tasks. You you, you can host database servers, mail servers, VPNs, Docker containers, Git servers, and so much more. You can even host your entire web backend like Dave and I do. I, I host all of Overcast there. I have 24 Linode instances running most of the time, and 
it's just a fantastic host. I've been there since 2011 and very, very happy with it. And they're also hiring right now. So if you're looking into that, maybe go to linode.com slash careers. Otherwise, they have fantastic pricing options available. Plans start at one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. And they offer lots of other plans that go higher than that, including high memory plans if you need anything like that. Listeners can sign up at linode.com slash radar. That will support us and get you $20 towards any Linode plan. And that could be four free months on that one gig of RAM plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more and sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or use promo code RADAR2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and Relay FM. So once I've extracted the like the problematic code or the code that I think is problematic, and if that, sometimes that helps and sometimes it doesn't, if it doesn't, uh, this is where the fun starts, and this is where things get a little bit uh, creative, where I find that I start the next approach I start to tend to do is I, if I can't reproduce a bug, is I'll just start. This is where I, it's like the chaos monkey approach, where I'll just like start sending just horrendously malformed data into the system. <laughs> I'll try and like just send like actual random, just 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 like I can just set my you know set up this testing app so that it's just gonna try and you know generate and save a hundred million random samples and just like see what happens is it going to happen in some time in there like if a bug only happens in one of every you know out of one out of every hundred thousand uh saves it's like well maybe i need to generate a hundred thousand saves um and you just kind of like start inventing things that could go wrong or um you know problems that might happen and just throwing them at the app similarly i also will often start to do things where i start to intentionally break the app um in a way that is potentially like useful so you know there are some times where i will have you know uh like if you do any kind of uh locking or queue based things where you have a bunch of operations that happen that you know there's two operations that should never happen concurrently because they are executed on a serial queue for example it's like well what happens if i make that queue concurrent like does the bug (laughs) happen and obviously these aren't like fixes. These aren't cha- like, these aren't things that you're ever expecting to ship. <laughs> these are nightmares these are, for me. Yeah. Like this is not a good idea, but these are things that you can try that sometimes will at least lead you in the direction of the bug that you're having such, so, such, such a hard time reproducing because the nature of it being hard to reproduce is that like, you don't know what's causing it. And at a certain point you can just, you just kind of have to guess of things that like in your past experience, these are kinds of things that have caused trouble for me. So why don't I just, I, you know, rather than I like, I, the app is now has all these fixes and all these sort of hedges against these, these situations that should never be possible. But what if I make them possible? Does it happen? I mean, half the time, all that all that you're doing is just breaking the app and in a new way, not like in the way you're trying to look at, like in a way that is, is obviously broken. But sometimes maybe it helps. Um, and the reality is in this process that is the, the side effect that is sometimes useful is that sometimes you'll find other bugs, um, which I, as I was going through this process recently, like I, I ran into a whole bunch of these little kind of weird edge case bugs that I had no idea were in the app that weren't the bug I was looking for, but were very useful to know and easy to fix. And um, it was, you know, it is definitely a nice side effect. And maybe sometimes the the bugs you find will lead you in the direction of this bug or they're related, but in ways that you can't understand because 
like I think there is something profoundly humbling about doing this kind of work, though, where you realize that as much as you created your app, you wrote it, you you sat down in Xcode and you typed out all those characters, like you sometimes don't know what's happening. Um, like you, there's you know, it's, it's like you're you're building this multi-dimensional puzzle, and you can only kind of reason in a few of the dimensions at once. But there's all these kind of complicated interactions and things that are happening that, um, as much as we'd like to think that we were in control, we really aren't. I mean, that's kind of the the story of my life. <laughs> it's like, like when you know, whenever I get some kind of weird bug, I realize like, well, I have no idea. I just you know, you kind of throw your hands up. You're like, I, I have no clue what's going on here. I can't figure it out. Uh, but you know, the 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 wonderful thing about being an indie is that no one else is going to figure it out for you. So you just kind of have to, it's like, well, either I figure this out or this bug doesn't get fixed. <laughs> Simple as that. Or, you know, like, like maybe by, you know, as you mentioned, like maybe by, by going and changing other things in the future, maybe you just kind of avoid that bug or you, you, you know, you, you, you remove the conditions that were bringing it to, you know, to, the, to the forefront. But there's, there's so much about, you know, modern app development where like, it's so complicated. You're going to have bugs as we talked about last week. Like, you're going to have bugs no matter what. And some of them are just real head scratchers and you know sometimes you can you can use techniques like this as you said to to figure them out sometimes you can't and sometimes you just you just have to deal with like well for some reason there's a bug here and you can try to like rewrite that whole module or change to a whole different api or something you know like there's there's some kind of like you know scorched earth things you could try to do but it's not really fixing the bug <laughs> but sometimes it's your only option yeah. And I mean, and yes, there have definitely been these moments in my, this last process last few days where I've been, had this sense of like, just, the, it's like the despair, like, man, I just, it's like, what if I just burn the app down and start again? Like, <laughs> I, like, I, I, and obviously like, it's like, no, it's like a moment later. I'm like, no, Dave, that's, it'll be fine. Like this is affecting 0.1% of people. 99% of people are happy. The people you're talking to are the people who are upset. Just, you know, it'll be okay. Um, but yes, that, that, that moment of despair is, is, is not uncommon. Um, Though speaking of people, that is also actually a tool that I found very helpful is that is if you have somebody for whom this is the situation is, you know, fairly reproducible, you know, engaging that person, talking to them, emailing them, collecting as much information uh, from them as you can, um, especially if you can kind of get a sense of how technical they are, um, can be very useful. Actually, in my situation, I ran into somebody who was actually a, an under the radar listener. So like listener Ollie was amazing and providing a whole bunch of information that was much more detailed and technical than I would you would normally be able to just like get from a typical user. So like if you can find someone like that, like with like without being a little too pushy, but like mine that relationship as for, for every every, you know, squeeze every ounce of it that you can, because sometimes you'll just like you'll get this one little clue. Um, and like I had a similar bug with an, recently uh, was it was a, a different situation. But like I had one user who like the way they described the problem totally reframed it in my mind. And I was suddenly able to like actually know what the solution was because they were just like, they, you know, they were describing the problem in a different way than all the other bug reports that were coming in. Um, and so it's definitely a useful tool to, you know, to listen to the customers who are reaching out. Um, keep in mind that, you know, they are the people who are upset. They are the people who are hitting the issue and that, you know, they are not representative of your user base at, la- at large, which I just mentioned just from a sanity perspective, because I think it's so easy to get stuck on this bug is so awful. It's affecting everybody. And like, no one loves my app. It's, it's terrible. Like everything's on fire when the reality is, you know, it's, it's an, 
often a very narrow group. Like in my case, it was happening rarely and it was happening only for people who have Apple watches, which is a very, you know, like it's like 10 or 15% of my users overall. And, you know, it's like within this group, it's only for people who have the watch app installed, which is even smaller. Um, and it's, you know, it'd be, it, it's reassuring when you start to think through those things, but you, you helpful users are amazing. And, um, you know, if, if you are in a situation where you can provide that info, that feedback to a, to a developer, which I guess I just mentioned in terms of, I imagine the audience of the show is very technical. Like if you can provide that to somebody, you are doing them a tremendous service, uh, for tracking down a bug and getting it fixed because it's just, you're, you know, as a technical user, you're able to look, you know, if you need to look up logs or you're able to generate files or even just, you know, you, when, if I ask somebody for like a description of their setup, you'll think of all the different things, like what's my locale, what my language is set to, um, you know, all the, what's my iOS version, what's my watchOS version. Like you can get into much more uh, technical detail than, you know, maybe the typical user would say like, I have an iPhone. Um, and that isn't quite as helpful. Oh yeah. I mean, just to reiterate, like if you can give a developer like reproducible steps to to cause a bug to happen, like because like then like that's that's one of the one of the problems I had with Overcast this past build is like I had this weird streaming bug that I could not figure out the steps to reproduce it, and so I couldn't get it to happen, and my and my customers kept reporting it I could not get it to happen, and so but and I put out the call on Twitter from the company account I'm like look please, if anybody has reproduction steps, please let me know. And fortunately, a couple people did. Finally, like, you know, all I had to do was ask. <laughs> a couple people did. And uh, and I was able to finally cause it to happen, like, on my phone while running in the Xcode debugger. And so I was able to figure out and fix that crash. And it was only because I had that, you know, those steps to reproduce it. If, if I continued not being able to figure that out, that bug would just still be there. And those customers would just still be hitting it, and there would be nothing to do about it. Yeah, no, it, it is good. Good, good users are an, are an amazing resource. Um, and I guess the last of my list of things to do, if you can't, if you're trying to reproduce something, is always remember that the users are potentially running a different version of the app than the one that you have. Um, and by that, I mean like they are running whatever the latest App Store version is, which may or well, may not maybe. be the version. Maybe they, they, you know if they might be running the latest version that runs on like iOS nine, sure. So like there are all kinds of issues that can come from that, and so in the same way that at the beginning that I I said I could go you know use lots of different devices, it's like I go to the App Store, install the version from the App Store onto each of those devices, build data you know build a user setup based on that App Store version. And then I, you know, see if I can see, see if I can recreate it because I find certain issues too are often sometimes hard to reproduce if you're connected to the debugger, which is like, like mind bending when you think about it, that some bugs only exist out when they're not connected to the debugger. Um, But sometimes that can happen because, you know, apps behave differently and are in different states when they're connected to the debugger. Like in terms of the, I'm not sure at the low level, but it seems like sometimes things are different when you're connected to a debugger when you aren't. And so sometimes just trying to use the App Store version on a fresh install, build a bit of data, and then try and do the steps that seem to be maybe reproducing it um, can sometimes be helpful. Yeah. But at the end of this, sometimes you just can't. And this is ultimately like where I found myself for this particular bug is I ended up with a list of like five things that I think that like as I was auditing the code and doing all this testing that I thought might help, I was never able to reproduce it. But I took, you know, I was like, I've implemented all these fixes. They were all fairly safe and like not problematic fixes. And I just like, I shipped the update. And so far, like, I, it seems promising. Like, we'll see. But 
ultimately that's the best I can do. And I tried in the update to like not be too clever, not be too cute. Like the point of this update is to just do simple, safe changes that are seem hopefully in the right direction. And then my hope is that I'm pushing, like, I don't think I fixed it, but I probably hopefully pushed out by like one order of magnitude, the likelihood of it happening to someone. So rather, you know, if it was happening to one in a thousand users, maybe now it happens to one in every 10,000 users or something like that. And sometimes that's the best you can do until you hit a point that you can reproduce it. Because even after all those crazy steps and all the crazy things I tried, I've still never seen it. Uh, I've still never seen it happen myself. Like all I've been able to do is break my app in new and creative ways that aren't the way that people are actually seeing <laughs> seeing the problem. And that was a useful exercise. I learned a lot from that. But ultimately, you know, there's still this, there's still these lingering issues out there that I'll, I don't think I'll ever be able to reproduce. And it's like one day, of course, one day I will be able to reproduce it. And then that is like, it's like Christmas morning where all of a sudden my, my phone is going crazy. And this, I always feel a little bit like, like I've, like I've lost my mind when this happens or what, what, I wonder what people think about me when all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my app's broken. This is amazing. And I like run downstairs and <laughs> I think my, my wife's just used to the fact that like, if that happens, it's like, I'm like, you know, it's, it's like, I've just caught this elusive creature out in the, out in the wilderness. And it's like, I, you know, I've been chasing this butterfly for my whole life and I finally, you know, finally get to see it. It's like, I'm just like, it's like the whole, the world has stopped moving. I just run downstairs. I'm, you know, like collecting all the logs, like just like, don't, don't move too fast. You don't want to scare it away. Um, I've totally then, done you know, that. Like that, like that's that, that's the moment I'm hoping for. It is yet to happen for this particular issue, but you know, maybe maybe one day I'll find that butterfly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And for 2019, we are now moving to a schedule of every two weeks. Uh, so we will see you in two weeks. Bye.